0: again everybody and welcome back to another exciting edition of out on that line i'm alex joined as always by my co-host jeff jeff how you doing tonight
1: i'm doing great that felt good did that feel good to you that felt pretty seamless (laughs) yeah yeah that felt that we need to do that more often maybe we just need to trade off you know because that was just a really nice sweet like dulcet way to to come onto the pod this week
0: i gotta tell you i felt like i was floating above my own body when that was happening like I, I i my consciousness went away i had the ego death and all that was left was the intro
1: hell yeah brother just pure talent
0: i guess so i didn't want to say it. i didn't want to say it for fear of being stuck up but thanks for saying it
1: <laughs> <laughs> cream of the crap
0: <laughs> what are we doing this week jeff you want to tell the people
1: well, it's uh, it's one of our special edition episodes, because if you follow the same people that we do, and I'm guessing if you listen to this podcast that you do, Rolling Stone redid their 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list, um, and they just released it, what, a week and a half ago? Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, so naturally, we got some things to say about it. We did the episode about the 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, so... When they released this list, 500 greatest songs of all time, I almost think this is more conducive to our podcast than the albums one was because you're talking about smaller chunks of things that you have to talk about. So it's, I think, much easier to get a full idea about each thing that you want to cover.
0: Yeah. And I've gone back and forth on what I think is the harder challenge picking the greatest album of all time or the greatest song of all time. It's, they're two, they're apples and oranges, but. I feel like in my mind, one of them has to be the more difficult task. I think the one I would have the hardest time with is album, just because there's so much shit on an album. You're not just judging Mm -hmm. that one song. But then as we're going to see when we get into talking about the list, like, what's your criteria? Is it the quality of the song alone? is it the like socio-cultural contributions of the song like it's standing is it like time and nostalgia and let's be honest the baby boomers have like mm-hmm. christened this song as culturally significant um like i don't know I, I don't i don't know what they use to make these rankings for rolling stone and i really don't know like how we should go about it i thought about it a little bit
1: i i think it's the sort of thing where they look at the songs in and it's not just about sales it's about cultural impact and staying power and is that song still around and i think as we go through that that's one thing that they all have in common is everybody knows every single one of these songs that we're going to talk about um and i think that goes a long way towards them being in the top bunch of songs of all time we're going to talk about specifically the top 20 Um, more in depth with the top 10 just to kind of give some context into what we're what we're talking about this week Um, but it's just that's one thing that every single one of these except for like one maybe two songs on here do I think are like more niche than the rest of them are as far as like just total worldwide popularity but every one of these has a place on this on this list
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I would say every one of them has a place on the five hundred list. I vehemently disagree with the placement slash inclusion of a couple of these, yeah. which we'll get into,
1: yes, yeah. and but it's like that's the kind of thing this song, best song of all time, I feel like is so much more subjective than
0: best album of all yes. time, yes, okay, yeah, yeah, I,
1: I think I don't know why. I, I feel that way. I just think like, because a song is going to hit everybody in a certain way. Yep. In order to sit and listen to an album, it's like, I'm not going to sit and listen to a whole album if I'm not in the mood for it. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, if I if I can't sit and listen to it all, I'm not going to even put it on. Um. So it's like, but songs, you hear those on the radio. You hear those everywhere. You can hear one song at a time in so many more places than you can hear a whole album at a time. So I feel like you're already going into an album with a more positive mindset than you would on average, any given single song, because you can encounter those in so many more places than you would an entire album all the way through. And so I think that makes it more difficult because you're talking about this is so much more emotionally based than it is like kind of quantifiably based and where you could actually use like numbers and, and a lot more factors into deciding album to album versus song to song.
0: I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is like the big exercise in subjectivity. And I had an interesting conversation with a friend of the pod about that very thing the other night because this person would not account for subjectivity and was making wild blanket statements as (laughs) though they were objective fact. I won't name names, but it blew my fucking mind. So I feel like that goes without saying this is a caveat for this episode. Like, you and I are going with our subjective taste and subjective opinions. Mm -hmm. There is no right or wrong. There is only debate. So I think you're right. It's the exercise, the ultimate exercise in subjectivity.
1: Yeah. And so why don't we jump right in here? I think this is a great one to start off with when we're talking about an exercise in subjectivity. Number 20 on the list of 500 greatest songs of all time. Is Dancing on My Own by Robin. Now, I wonder if we're gonna have opposite viewpoints about this. So, okay. how do you feel about this
0: one? You want me to go first?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: At first glance, I was fucking flabbergasted that this was number 20. I was like, I can see it on the, the top 500, sure, mm-hmm. but it cracked the top 20. I don't believe my eyes. And then I was like, well, I'm going to listen to every song on this list, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, And I'm going to start from 20 and go to one. So that came up first. And I had to play it two or three more times because it's just such a fucking rip-snorting banger of a song. <laughs> yes, it is. So I fully endorse Robin dancing on my own at number 20. I think that's perfectly appropriate. Yes. Okay. I thought I thought that was going the other
1: way. No, no. Oh man, because this song, let me tell you, is ubiquitous. Like, you find any group of people under the age of, I mean, at this point, I think you'd safely say anybody under the age of 50 has an experience with this song in some capacity because it plays at every single, like, between songs at every single music festival, everything, every single concert. She performs at just about every single big music festival there is. She tours constantly. She is massive in europe massive as popular as this song is here in america she is 20 30 times more popular in europe i mean she is a big big deal in the worldwide sphere of of pop music her like kylie minogue people like that are just may not be like top of the heap here in america but they are world-class everywhere else
0: yeah yeah absolutely and i was thinking about the kylie minogue thing too she's just out of nowhere in the U S like known quantity in Australia for years and then just mm-hmm. pff, explodes. Um, yeah. And you, you never realize what a big fucking deal Robin is, but Robin is a big fucking deal. And I think therefore, because it doesn't say American acts and it's, it's easy to think about the list from like mm-hmm. a very Amero point of view. But once you kind of get that in your head, like, well, let's think globally, let's think big picture. You get treats like this. So, I absolutely, it may not, Robin may not be in America what she is in Europe, but that doesn't matter. This song, Mm -hmm. number 20, I'll rubber stamp that. Yes.
1: Now, number 19, Imagine by John Mm -hmm. Lennon. Now, I think there's other John Lennon songs that probably should have been here instead because I don't like this pick at number 19.
0: I don't like Imagine. But I understand that it is a culturally significant song that means a lot to a lot of people. Our fucking high school disciplinarian, principal, whatever, had a poster with John Lennon's face and the lyrics to Imagine on it.
1: Well, there might have been some other things that he admired about Mr. Lennon. That's all I'll say. Continue.
0: Okay, okay. Um Yeah, where was I going with this? Oh, so yeah, uh, Imagine is very important to a lot of people. So I get that. And I knew that it was going to come up at somewhere high in the list. I would say Mm. I don't like the song. Other people do. All things being equal, I don't have a problem with it at 19. I would not put it any higher. 19 is probably an appropriate place for it.
1: Yeah, I would have said top 50 I would have been fine with, but just think of all the songs that have come out since then and if if you know we're not going to go way back in the list because i think we had to set a limit otherwise this could just go on forever but there's a lot of songs in the 20 to 50 range that there's a lot of those that i might say are top 20 songs like bruce springsteen's born to run just saying we got imagine in there we don't have bruce springsteen it's like this is america after all i know we were just talking about we can't get too Amerocentric, but come on Well, fuck,
0: it's not. Yeah, it's Bruce fucking Springsteen, him or I would say Billy Joel. The fact that neither of them got a song in the top 20 chaps my ass a little bit. But again, subjectivity.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've gotten so much more joy out of scenes from an Italian restaurant than I have.
0: Imagine I, I can't. I like when scenes from when I realized scenes from an Italian restaurant was not in the top 20. Little piece of me died. That fucking song mm-hmm. is one of the greatest songs ever written. So the And obviously it's acknowledged in there somewhere, but not the top 20, I think, is a crime. So I'm with yeah. you. I wouldn't have put Imagine this high on the list at all, but I see where the tastemakers were coming from.
1: Yes, yes. Now, the next one I'm just glad beat Imagine. Number 18, Purple Rain by Prince. Incredible song. That's all I'll say about this. It deserved to be higher, in my opinion.
0: You know me, big Prince guy. I If I'm going to make any argument about this song, it's going to be that it, it should have been higher because I'm a total fucking homer for Prince Rogers Nelson. So that yes. is all we have to say. I'm glad it's here. Yeah.
1: Yes. I mean, there's a lot of great songs that we're going to touch on coming up, but Purple Rain, 18's a good spot. Top 20 of all time. Not a bad place to be. Just, I think, deserve to be a little higher. Now, the next one, number 17, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And I don't know if there's a more ubiquitous song
0: Yeah. on this list. And unfortunately, Bohemian Rhapsody kind of hit the same skid for me that Don't Stop Believin' did, which is Mm -hmm. it became so ubiquitous. Like, you have to watch car commercials with Bohemian Rhapsody in it, and it's after a while, you just become a little desensitized to it. You don't Mm -hmm. enjoy it as much as, like, that was one of the first eight songs I had on my iPod that was the size of this external fucking hard drive. (laughs) One of the very first little scrolly wheel ones. Oh, yeah. That was one of the first eight songs I had on there, and I listened to it. was like a bunch of Queen songs and some Aquabats. And I remember listening to Bohemian Rhapsody and just like shitting my pants. I had never listened to it closely. I'd only ever heard yeah. like excerpts from it. So, yeah, it's a great song, and unfortunately I've become like slightly numb to it.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I still really can't stand Don't Stop Believing, so I'm so glad that didn't make it.
0: Okay, I'm gratified so you feel that way. I'm pretty over yeah. that song.
1: That was a, that was the graduation song, for the 05 graduating class from Spalding, was "Don't Stop Believing."
0: Really, for shoot? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was... How'd you feel about that?
1: I hated it, man. <laughs> and they just everybody just break out singing it all the time. It fucking sucked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking terrible, dude.
1: Oh God, it was so bad. So bad. Such a bad song. I Journey's it. got some bangers, man, but. God, that song sucks.
0: That is not one of them. That is not no. one of their bangers. I'm sorry. Sorry.
1: No, we're talking separate ways. Mm. Wheel in the sky. I mean, they got some certified bangers.
0: You want to get got tender? The you go with faithfully. Lights? Yeah.
1: Open arms. I mean, you want the, whatever mood you want. Journey's got it. Oh yeah. Don't Any stop. Any way you it.
0: want it. Yeah. Oh fuck. All right. Yeah. So that was. Uh... I guess that was Queen. Yep, that was
1: Queen. Uh, Next one. (laughs) We're going to get through this, man. All right, next one. Crazy in Love by Beyonce featuring Jay-Z. Now, this one took over the world at one point. I think reintroduced the world to Beyonce as like a a solo entity versus, you know, just kind of the... She had kind of the Justin Timberlake effect on Destiny's Child where it's like, yeah, the other ones are good. But like you could tell who's, who the star of the show is, yeah. And Destiny Child, it was Beyonce. I think it was a closer match between Kelly Rowland and Michelle Michelle Williams and Beyonce than it was Justin Timberlake and literally anybody else in in sync. Um, but this song was a banger, an absolute banger.
0: Well, yeah, I think you're right. It was the coming out party for Beyonce as a solo act, and time has only gone on to prove everybody right when they said there's an obvious star in beyonce yeah. so i don't know there are songs i i definitely like more of hers but i think this was the appropriate one to to put up there because like you said it took over the fucking world and it was yeah. it was the the start of the whole thing so yeah i have i have no problem with this where it is good pick
1: yeah and i think is jay-z the only one that kind of just latched on to a. Uh... A top twenty song of all time. Like I'm looking at the rest of these; these are all solo songs or full band songs of people that are already all in the band. He's the only one that's like he wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Beyonce.
0: Yeah, prestigious by association. <laughs> yeah. You better thank. Your I mean, not yet. that he's
1: got bad songs, but Jay Z's not going to put a top twenty song of all time out. No, no shot. Beyonce's got those chops. She's got probably three or four of them that
0: could have been in that yeah again like i said there are plenty of her songs mm-hmm. that i could slot in there but i think yeah if this is the first one "Stomp the world why not and jay-z gets in there good for him yeah finally something works out for him
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. gosh i have been really rooting for that guy nothing but bad luck and finally something went his way
0: it's nice it's nice to see him get a w for once
1: yeah thank god you can finally pay off those those creditors now, the, number 15, I want to hold your hand by The Beatles. You ever heard of them?
0: <laughs> Here's my position, and this is going to cover another song on the list. Uh, the Beatles are a fucking gimme. Anytime you're talking about mm-hmm. the greatest song ever written, there are any number of Beatles options that you can slot in. It's just a matter of preference, I guess. So, I mean... I like almost can't have an opinion on this. So I'm like, of course, of course there's multiple Beatles songs.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know who you're going to get on here. I mean, everybody knows you're getting the Beatles. I think the Beatles are the first one, I guess queen maybe, but like the Beatles are the first one that it's like, there's no surprise that they're up here. Like none whatsoever. It's not really an argument you can make against it. That was like the big, the big one that set them off. And I mean, I, I don't know if we can like accurately compare Beatlemania to anything this generation has ever seen but I mean I remember working at a hotel when Sean Mendez was staying there and I, I was working the like closing shift so I wasn't out till like 11 11 o'clock midnight somewhere in there so I'd always have to do this walk around at the end of my shift just to like write down what was going on and I found so many goddamn like teenagers like these teenage girls like 14 15 years old whatever just like in every nook and cranny of the public spaces of this hotel like i'd go into the big banquet room where we had the lights off because there was nothing going on i'd turn the lights on it's like roaches just (laughs) scattering all over the place because they're all waiting to see sean mendez sean mendez is getting that sort of reaction like what was it like for the beatles i mean they there was nobody else there was not a glut of pop artists. You could pick one from any genre that you want. Like, that didn't exist. Like, the Beatles were it.
0: No, fuck no. And that's, that's like, set the bar so high. And I, a lot of people will argue different things. I I can think of people who would formulate an argument that Lil Nas X is the Beatles. Like, it, again, it's the subjectivity game. People... When they imprint on something, want to believe it was the biggest phenomenon ever. And that's fine. For me, that's probably Frank Zappa, just to get him in here. Because he didn't <laughs> make the list.
1: I can't believe he didn't make the list. <laughs> his what a
0: travesty. His song. God. His thirteen minute song Dog Shit Taco didn't make the list. <laughs> he gotta
1: be kidding me. We should like, cut the episode. What we're a cry. Here. What a fucking I thought, I was Shame. Yeah, I thought I could have sworn they were gonna be he was gonna be like top three or four
0: robbed but see nothing you can think of really matches the level of the beatles
1: nope nothing that's why they're number 15 on the list uh this song beaten out by number 14 waterloo sunset by the kinks exactly exactly (laughs) 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 perfect i knew that neither of us were going to have anything to say about this one. Like, what is it doing here? Dude, I don't I know. I guess it's
0: good. It's fine. I listened, I had never heard it before. The kinks are kind of a musical blind spot for me because hot take, I think the kinks are kind of fucking boring.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're like every other. But at that point in time, I'm sure they were the cutting edge, man. Sure. You know, it's just like they're not. It's not exciting anymore. It was then. It's not now. There's like we have Slipknot now. Guys wear Halloween <sighs> costumes on stage. Have you seen a Guar concert?
0: Yeah, we're, you better. We're supposed to get excited
1: about the Kinks.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't. Come I on. can't manufacture the enthusiasm because yeah, I'm way more into others. You what? The, try Moby Grape or Love or Mark Bolin, Tyrannosaurus Rex, T-Rex, David Bowie. Whatever sure. the fuck you want to do. The Kinks have just never trip my trigger at all there are some i like living on a thin line mostly because of that sopranos episode mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah i'm just not super into the kinks so like you said this kind of landed with a thud
1: yeah yeah weird weird one but we move right into a banger gimme shelter by the rolling stones now you want to talk about an all-time great song that nobody can sing properly but everybody tries is gimme shelter
0: oh yeah yeah, there's though no, there's no imitating this one, and I would have put it higher on the list.
1: I think, yeah, there's a couple in the top ten that I think could have swapped with this one pretty easily.
0: Yeah, I can think For of sure. a couple. I would have. Yeah, I would have sent to the fucking farm league. Uh, Man, I'm
1: normally I'm normally not a big Rolling Stones guy. Like me I like either. the Rolling Stones, you know, but but they're. They're definitely like, I think they get looked at as like, oh man, they're the badass. They were the the edgier Beatles. You know, it was like, it was, I can't think of an accurate description. I guess like if the Beatles were like Hanson, they were Nirvana, like is how they tried, how people try to make them sound. And it's just like, that's not the case. Like the Rolling Stones were just as, they might have had more innuendo, but that was it. That no, was the Beatles did more drugs. The Rolling Stones had more sex. You know, I think that's yeah. just what the difference was.
0: Yeah. No, what's cool about Gimme Shelter, too, is the whole like it, it was written about the Rolling Stones and their nightmare at Altamont. Um, the music festival where that woman got yeah. like bludgeoned to death by a Hell's Angel or however it was.
1: Yeah. That they hired for security.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so stupid.
0: Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> pretty fucking wild so yeah they wrote this after altamont and i think like a lot of other songs as we go into the top 10 it's kind of a time capsule um like very much speaks to the the age in which it came out so i mean this is the rolling stone song i would have picked and i would have put it just a little higher
1: yeah this one i think it's like you just hear this one over scenes from vietnam like old vietnam war movies just give me shelter and that goes together like like, white on rice, you know? Um, the next one, Superstition by Stevie Wonder is number 12. Now, I think that's perfectly fair spot for this one to be. I agree. I'm just totally content with this song being here. Stevie Wonder, I think, needed to be represented. They needed at least somebody. There are at least a few people from that, like, kind of soul, funk, R&B world. Because that genre of music was
0: huge
1: so it's like they needed some representation on this on this list and in this position. So I think that's a great spot for him there, number 12.
0: Oh, I completely agree. This the shit that Stevie Wonder was able to do when he broke out, like no one had ever heard that before. So mm-hmm. let's do it. Superstition, number 12.
1: Yeah, he rocks. Go check out some of his albums, folks. He kicks ass. Music Stevie, of my Stevie mind is so good. Is so good. Yeah. All right, the weird. next one. You are probably going to have some things to say about this one. Did you want to bring it in here?
0: Sure. Number 11 is uh, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. And as we know, I am a card-carrying member of the Beach Boys fanhood. <sighs> I keep saying this. I get why they chose this one. I get why they chose this Beatles song or Beach Boys song. There are some I would have picked before it, and then I realize, I'm like, nope, those are all deep cuts. You can't do that. You're <laughs> the only one that thinks this, except for Tanner and Tyler. Um, I think Good Vibrations is more interesting, but it's musically mm-hmm. interesting, and I think God only knows the sentiment behind it. Brian Wilson was a very spiritual guy, so he put a lot of that like spiritual curiosity into the song. It's got a great mm-hmm. loving message. It's It's a... It's a perfect, affectionate song. Once again, I'm a Beach Boys homer, and I might have put it higher, but I'll take eleven. Yeah, that's you're you're not
1: you're not you know gonna gonna be too disappointed with any spot on the top twenty. The only way you're gonna be disappointed is your favorite artist isn't on there. Bruce Springsteen not being in the top twenty, crazy (laughs) talk. We'll get back to the list, Um, but. I See, I think I've listened to a lot of Beach Boys, definitely not anywhere near the amount that you have. But like my dad was a big Beach Boys fan growing up. So like I've heard a lot of Beach Boys and I love Beach Boys. I think the reason they went with God Only Knows is because that is like the most iconic harmonization that they did in any, mm-hmm. any of their really popular songs. They had a lot of a lot of harmonies and melodies in like Surfing USA and like the big time radio hits that they're like most famous for. And, you know, it's just, I think God only knows being not really like a party song or like a tossed off kind of joke song. Like, let's go to the mall. You know, it's not like that sort of thing. Um, I think that's why is because they knew the Beatles were, or not the Beatles, the Beach Boys are a serious group. But you want to make sure you, I think that's why they chose like probably arguably one of their most serious songs. Yeah. To show that they were serious as musicians. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you can't do Ding Dang from The Beach Boys Love You. Have I ever played you that song? <laughs> no. no. It's like 40 seconds long and it's just ding, dang, ding, and a ding, dong while people are in the background just being like, woo! It's <laughs> just Brian Wilson. Like, this is, I think it came to him while he was jerking off and he's like, I should write that as a song the way that I just <laughs> felt, the way my little penis just felt. Um,
1: Yeah. It was the sound his belt was making, clanging together as he. You
0: know. Did his thing. I'll send it to you when this is over. You'll laugh your ass off. Um <laughs> I love Brian Wilson. I love the Beach Boys. Um, you're totally right. That this is the iconic harmony. This was the one to go with. Um, the question I have for you real quick. Mm-hmm. What kind of was your dad into the Beach Boys like past pet sounds?
1: No. Okay. He was he was like early Beach Boys, like okay. surfing USA. You know, like, hey, we're all we're all getting in the car, going to California. Can find me a girl you know he was it was much more that era of the of the beach boys i don't think he got into the real like introspective love songs i think pet sounds was probably where about where he checked out
0: okay okay yeah i don't know maybe a long-term project to get your dad to listen to some more beach boys expand his horizons
1: he might i mean i think it was just like the nature of the time yeah was he listened to the beach boys when they were because when did their like surfing usa albums come out
0: Christ, the 60s.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, my dad was born in 49. So it's like, if they were the 60s, I was right when he was a teenager.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: so, like, that's why. So he, like, probably got into that because it's like, oh, this is the party music. And then as he got older, then it was Led Zeppelin and the Beatles. And I think the Beach Boys got kind of passed by because my dad's a rock and roll guy. And I yeah. think as soon as you get to... And the Beach Boys played some rock and roll music. I'm not going to totally exclude them from that genre but not a rock group in the same vein that pops was really listening to i don't think
0: no yeah i would agree even when they're doing rock and roll it's got kind of a wholesomeness to it that yeah you kind of want some stank on your rock and roll so i'll i'll accept that from from
1: papa bob yeah but i think a good spot because the beach boys definitely one of the most iconic groups ever at least in america um probably in the in the caribbean as well
0: down in Kokomo yeah. at least
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, but at number 10 and this one may be controversial I don't think it is hey uh, by outcast number 10 song of all time I I thought about it and it's like really hey uh, but it's like I think it I think it belongs there
0: it's another one you gotta think about for a minute because I did the same I did a double take and it wasn't like out of outrage I was just like wow really but. Then you listen to it, and you realize, like, when it came out, we were around when it came out. And you remember this was another song that took over the fucking planet. Mm -hmm. And there is a song coming up that was given the uh, um, distinction of being a very future-forward sound. Both the artist and whoever was writing the blurb on the Rolling Stone website Mm -hmm. gave this artist a lot of credit saying... It was a future-forward sound that still sounds future-forward future today. That's a huge compliment. I would give that compliment to Heya. Yeah, I think that's a song you can listen to today that is not dated in any way. It moves along. It's got the floating, um, like the free-floating age thing that like the Simpsons mm-hmm. have. They never get older. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would argue that's all
1: of Outkast. Like, I've listened to a lot of OutKast in my life. I mean, the Stankonia album is one of the most incredible hip-hop albums I've ever heard in my life. Yep, Aquemini, same thing. You know, it's like ATLians. I mean, they have, like, certifiably masterpiece songs. I mean, it's just they are that good. They have been forever, and they don't sound like anybody else. You know, so I think that's – you're right in saying, like, if you've never sounded like anybody else and nobody else, still nobody else sounds like you, like you still sound like the future because nobody else is caught up yet. You know, and I think that's that's a really cool thing. And I mean, I think Outcast deserved a spot somewhere high up on this list. I'm honestly a little surprised they ended up at 10, but I'm not mad about it.
0: No, and honestly, like bringing people into the top 10 with this song, I think is great. I'm totally behind mm-hmm. it. Now, the
1: next one I think is based on extreme recency bias mm-hmm. is Fleetwood Mac's Dreams yeah. at number nine of all time. Of all time.
0: I don't like this pick. I like a lot of other Fleetwood Mac songs yes. before it, and I don't know that I'd put any of them in the top 10.
1: No, I don't either. And I think there's probably like at least five Fleetwood Mac songs I like way before I like Dreams. Yes. And I don't know if Fleetwood Mac ever came out with a song that deserves to be this high.
0: No, nope, I don't think I don't. there's one that goes in the top 10, and that's from a Fleetwood Mac guy. Yeah. I mean,
1: big time Fleetwood Mac guy. Rumors is, you know, you, won't, you will get no, when you talk about best albums of all time, like wherever you want to put rumors, I'm not going to argue with you unless you start putting it down too low. But it's just, I don't know if singles wise, Fleetwood Mac deserves to be
0: there. Yeah. Uh, nope. I would agree.
1: Yeah. All right, the next one, Missy Elliott, Get Your Freak On. Now, was this the one that was uh, the future forward?
0: Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Missy Elliott got three songs on the top 500 songs of all time. I'm and not surprised. I am. I am. I cannot believe that Get Your Freak On is number eight. I can't believe it. I That I'll agree with. I can't. I just like. I've never liked that fucking song. I don't think it's that quality. And this idea that it was future forward and still is future forward, I I personally have a, a big problem with. I think that's horseshit. And I think the fact that the blurb said it, and the fact that Missy Elliott and Timbaland have said it about this song, like we were creating some shit from the future, like just being. <laughs> Up their own asses, much like number four on this list, which we'll get to. Just like totally, like when you hear the <laughs> no. artists just talk about things and just being up totally up their own ass, it puts you off your lunch. So, all of those elements conspire to make me hate this as the number eight pick.
1: Yeah. You know what? I got to tell you that I think I liked 20 through 11 in general more than I liked 10 through 1. I would have to agree. Yeah. Because I mean, we yeah, I'll I'll agree with you on Missy Elliott. I, I love Missy Elliott. I love this song. I don't, have a problem I don't with Missy know Elliott. if it's. I don't think it's top eight. And I said I understood because I think she does. I think it does deserve a place on the top five hundred. You know, I think okay. that song is massive. You know, yep. And I think that again is like the cultural impact and staying power matters, and Missy Elliott still matters in music because of what she did. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know about number eight. I don't know about number eight. Now, I do agree the next one, number seven, the Beatles. I agree the Beatles deserve to be in the top ten with something. I don't know if it's Strawberry Fields Forever, which is what they're
0: there for. Jeff, do you mean the song something or something as in another song? I mean, something would have been better here. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like... Like we said, you can pick a thousand different Beach Boys songs and plug them in. I know there's not a thousand. Um, (laughs) And I guess, like, they landed on Strawberry Field somehow. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done instead, but sure. Maxwell Silverhammer. Fuck it. Why not?
1: Yeah. Get real. (laughs) And the thing is, so, like, that's not even a deep cut because anybody that knows about the Beatles, like, it's not like they're releasing new music If you wanted new Beatles, you just found stuff you haven't heard yet. So, like, everybody knows what Maxwell's Silver Hammer is. So, well, (laughs) well, well, us Beatles fans might say, like, oh, I bet you don't even know what Maxwell's Silver Hammer is. And everybody else is probably going to say, yes, we do. So if you're talking about the Beatles, they know who they are. And they've gone through the same time loop
0: you have. And it's such a stupid, catchy song. John Lennon referred to it as more of Paul's granny music. (laughs) <laughs> and like the anvil and shit like that, it's corny as shit. But try getting it out of your head. Yep, exactly. That's the power of the Beatles. That's the Beatles in a nutshell. Try getting it out of your head. Yeah, I would have put,
1: I would have put Norwegian Wood. There up you go. There, me personally, nice I, accessible I like track. Yeah, my my preferred Beatles is the Weird Beatles. So like oh yeah, Rubber Soul. Um, even Sergeant Pepper's. I mean, when they when they were clearly on drugs, that's that. I'm in. I want to hold your hand shit no yeah. thanks Revolver's Mike.
0: fucking yeah Revolve. great Revolver's album Revolver's my great, shit yeah
1: when they get when they started getting a little funky and a little weird started doing some drugs that's when I, I feel like I really kind of came into my own as a Beatles fan
0: yeah definitely yeah. and to all you out there if you feel like you've got hidden potential you need to unlock maybe you should think about doing drugs yes can only help we officially don't condone that joke. Um, take, it, take it up with our representation, Mr. Tanner Sivo Esquire. Yes,
1: uh, email us and we'll give you his uh, home address. You can go see him in person.
0: There you go. I've got bank account numbers too.
1: <laughs> yes, whatever you need. Uh, number six, Marvin Gaye, what's going on? I think no surprise here. I almost think this one should have been a little higher than number six.
0: I might have swapped uh six and two. Yeah. I think I would have swapped six and two.
1: To be honest with you, I think I'd swap it with any of the top three and be fine with it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
1: Yep. I mean it's a it's all time classic song. It has never stopped meaning something. Yeah. You know, I think I think a, a problem is when we get to the top song what it meant when it came out versus what it means now are two very different things. This is one of the very few songs that I can think of. And if there's more examples of this and, and you want to let me know, just shoot us a email or tweet us or something. Um, but as far as what it meant when it came out and it almost being more meaningful now, you know, as, because I think now instead of it being a, just a hopeful, kind of protest song preaching for love and peace and understanding and you know all these great ideals um now it's kind of a reminder that we still haven't done it that we still don't have those things so it's like we hold on to this song as like we're still holding on to the hope and i don't know of a lot of songs that carry this kind of weight
0: to quote another artist who was robbed of a position in the top 20 you took the words right out of my mouth <sighs> um <laughs> I uh, I yeah, I completely agree with all of that. I think it is a, a song, once again, of its moment that has retained its message. It means the same thing now as it did when it came out, precisely mm-hmm. because of what you said. We still haven't done it yet. We still haven't addressed the things that the song was asking us to address. Um, whereas, number one, I think the meaning has changed several times as time has gone mm-hmm. on. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: I, I still think a meaningful song, but... I think it does not, because of how upbeat it is, and we'll get to it, we're not going to spoil it. Stop asking us to spoil it, people. We're going to get there, okay? But I think it's that song is a much more upbeat, danceable song, and therefore enters into a lot more of the public sphere than what's going on does, because of its very direct and very clear and, and very specific subject matter. Um, I think that's why this one hasn't been bastardized, while the other one, I think, has has suffered that fate a bit.
0: Yeah, nobody's dancing to what's going on at weddings.
1: No. No. Maybe a funeral. (laughs) That's very true. Do you dance at a funeral? I feel like you don't dance at a funeral. That was a
0: terrible thing to say. I don't know. If it's like an Irish wake, you dance. That's true. You also get pissed drunk. You sure do. You get into a loud argument with someone you're definitely sure is a hooker. But you just don't have okay, the courage so to call you.
1: Him out. So you and Rory are both Irish, right?
0: Uh minimally. I'm minimally. He's probably more. Well, Fitzgerald, I feel like he's gotta be. He's a good Scotsman.
1: <laughs> well, I guess it'll be his his Irish wake then that we that we get to sing all those police songs from the wire.
0: Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a freeborn man of the USA. <laughs> Who are the who are those guys the Pogues?
1: Yeah, R- Rory would love that. If his last moments on earth are spent and not, not like he's aware of it, he'll be watching from below, I would assume. Yeah. Um, his last moments of consciousness of what go- what goes on on earth is going to be us treating him like a like a deceased policeman.
0: <laughs> we just have him laid out on a pool table <laughs> with an American yeah. flag folded on his chest. <laughs> Tarare, a true Candace American just outside hero. puking
1: on the street corner.
0: <laughs> We've all got fake guns for some reason just to feel more like oh <laughs> god. Just the
1: revolvers, like the old style, like 38s.
0: Oh, this, yes, absolutely. Let's go super into the good Yeah, I think the best thing we could do for Rory is like start his Irish wake before he's completely dead so he can see a little bit of it.
1: So that he can know that he's loved and criticize us one last time for not doing it well (laughs) enough.
0: (laughs) And hopefully someone will use him as a urinal right as he goes. (laughs) Just not on his beer. No. Don't take a sip out of his beer. Something
1: has to be left sacred here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, where were we? Uh, Smells like teen spirit. Number five. By band, a little band you may have heard of, Nirvana, and I, this one kind of like kicked the door in for an entire genre, an entire generation of rock and roll music. So, I think absolutely deserves its spot near the top here.
0: Yep, I'm a I'm a big grunge homer, and I think this is absolutely something I would put inside the top five.
1: And yes. I I think
0: um, considering what's on here, I might have slid it up a little more.
1: Yeah, I mean, given that it's the cultural, because it's now, when did this song come out? 89, 90, 91? When did this come out? Uh,
0: 91, I'm fairly certain.
1: Okay, so think of that time. Like, that was the same kind of shit, like when Jimi Hendrix burned his guitar on stage. You know, that's the kind of shit that, like, that's like what Nirvana did with this song, where it's like we had the hair metal with these big, bright choruses and all these, like, big riffs and huge built for arenas kind of rock and roll. And then you've got Nirvana. Like first you've got Guns N' Roses, which kind of like was the first death knell of like the hair metal generation. Cause it was like, these guys were just pissed off doing a lot of drugs. It was not about the glamor of it. It was just like, let's get fucked up and play some rock and roll. And then you've got Nirvana who wanted none of the fame, none of the, like the notoriety. All they wanted to do was talk about how pissed off they were. And just like make their music. And, you know, there wasn't anybody that had done something like that until, you know, since people like Jimi Hendrix or when Eddie Van Halen first started doing doing his thing with the crazy guitar theatrics. And, and you know, it's just like nobody else had done that sort of thing. And that song just absolutely kicked off. I mean, we don't have Soundgarden. We don't have Pearl Jam we probably there's so many bands that we Alice in Chains like we there's so many bands that we don't have if Nirvana never blew up with that song
0: well think about if you cut grunge out of the timeline you pruned it from the timeline and like you said the hair metal acts had to transition some other way they didn't make a graceful transition through grunge which took some of the like original harder elements and made them even harder and got rid of all the like completely oblivious theatrics Mm -hmm. with the you know the bandanas and the eyeliner and the leather pants and stuff went in the complete other direction this was just like gutter rock grunge like it's it's dirty Mm -hmm. it's filthy it's unfiltered it's totally raw just like the way they made the demo for this fucking song like it was like an unlistable piece of shit they made in a barn it was so lo-fi it hurt so like that's that's a DIY aesthetic that I love that became a fucking total phenomenon. So, mm-hmm. you got to you got to give the devil his due.
1: Yeah, talent finds a way, and I think with Nirvana and Kurt Cobain, talent found a way. And, you know, clearly he had his demons and couldn't handle that level of fame, but man, what talk about getting shot out like a cannonball with your first single and smells like teen spirit. And then doing the, the MTV Unplugged, which is one of my most highly recommended Nirvana experiences. I mean, it's just one of the most incredible pieces of art that you'll ever watch because you're literally watching kind of the demise of one of the greatest artists of his generation. You know, And, and it's just like a very incredible watch. The whole story of Nirvana is a really incredible kind of thing. And just feel lucky that we had them. Feel lucky that things like Smells Like Teen Spirit did what it did and got us out of the you know got us reset the cycle back towards like music for the sake of making music rather than commercial success which I think was what was happening for the most part before that
0: yep and then Kurt Cobain's nightmare was the commercialization of his music of that aesthetic and it came to pass and I think that that had a lot to do with why he's not around anymore so Mm -hmm. tail
1: is all this time Yep, absolutely. Now we move on to number four. And to be honest with you, one that I'm I'm surprised is this low on the list, given the magazine that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um it's Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan.
0: I could have sworn this would have been number one and not yeah. through personal preference. Yeah. But I was I was dead certain this was gonna be number one. Um I could never get into Bob Dylan. I appreciate that he's culturally significant. This is the rehearsed speech I've got. I respect that he's culturally significant, and a lot of people appreciate him. I myself have never been able to get into Bob Dylan, not for pleasure, not for my own edification. I really don't give a shit, and the dude is a fucking prick. So that's pretty much all I got to say about this one.
1: Well, now that we know how you really feel, um, I will say that I love this song. I don't know if I believe that it's as culturally relevant as it used to be, as it once was. Um, but I do enjoy this song. I do enjoy Bob Dylan quite a lot. Uh, Bob Dylan was one of the, I'd listened to a lot of Bob Dylan. There was a lot of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, a lot of Johnny Cash, all of them kind of like in a cycle for me. And then obviously Bruce Springsteen is like sprinkled in there, but I went through like a big phase where listening to these singer songwriters was like a big thing that I was, that I was doing. We were discussing before the podcast, Bob Seeger. But this was Mm -hmm. when, you know, around the same time I'd listen to Bob Dylan, Bob Seger, Bruce Springsteen, like all these iconic singer songwriters at the same time. And like Bob Dylan was a big part of that rotation for me. Now, there's a lot of Bob Dylan that I'm like, that stuff sucks. Like mostly anything he came out with after like 1970, basically. Um, But like a Rolling Stone, him going electric was the same kind of mind blowing thing that happened in music as it was when like the Beatles came out with, I want to hold your hands. Like he was supposed to be the representative, the shining star with an acoustic guitar in his hand, you know? And then all of a sudden he plays electric at the Newport folk festival and people lost their goddamn minds about it. And, you know, it's just like, that was, I think one of the more rock and roll moments that we've had is he was like, I want to do this. So I'm going to do this. Um, him as a person I'm not going to argue with you I have not heard very good things and I've not heard very good things about seeing him live I heard it sucks yep. I heard it It has always sucked uh, but I enjoy his music and I'm surprised that he's not higher on the list with this one to be honest with you
0: that's fair and I would say like um, Blonde on Blonde uh, Highway 61 Revisited like mm-hmm. that's I, I get it I get it it's just not there's a couple things I like there's a couple things I like, like anybody. I don't completely hate anyone except maybe mm-hmm. the Eagles. Um,
1: Yes. Give in to your anger.
0: Because <laughs> yes. I, I honestly, I I'm, I things I used to like from the Eagles, I think I was just trying to like. Like I tried really yeah. hard to like fish because we're from Vermont. <sighs> and if, fish is a Vermont band. And I was like, I don't probably should bother. like fish. No, it's don't garbage. It's garbage. Yeah. It's stupid shit. Watch us have Mike Gordon on this show someday.
1: I mean, it wouldn't be difficult to do, right? Doesn't he like know Pete? I think so.
0: Yeah. Or no, uh, Fishman. Yeah. Yeah. Because that guy Willis opened for them once or something. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, yeah. Just Bob Dylan has never really been for me. Sorry, everybody. Fair enough. Um, This one, the next one, I think,
1: might be like the biggest surprise on here for me as far as where it is, um, Mm -hmm. maybe for the reasons that it was made, you know, obviously I think it, it belongs in a prominent spot, but a change is going to come by Sam cook. Now, Sam cook is looked at alongside like Otis Redding and Marvin Gaye and, and artists like that. And Al green and people that were like these iconic, great soul singers, you know, from like the sixties, seventies, I think even into the eighties for some of them. Um, but i don't i don't know i don't know if i expected a sam cook song in the top 10
0: um yeah no as they say in wet hot american summer unexpected <laughs> uh yeah i i didn't either and now i'm trying to think like if you were i don't have a problem with it i just didn't expect it um and i feel like there are a couple songs um number 1 number 2 and uh what's going on that cover a lot of the same territory like Mm -hmm. culturally and thematically so i'm trying to think of what i might have swapped in maybe not necessarily at number three but in the top 10 um and i don't know i i not trying to stroke your ego here but i might go springsteen or joel and Mm -hmm. maybe like bowie i love bowie but i don't know i i might have gone springsteen or joel yeah
1: and even if you like just bump this one out move everything else up one and like just pop Springsteen in there around like after 10 or something, you know, I can not going to argue with you if you don't think he's top 10 of all time. I personally think so, but you know, thankfully not everybody thinks the way that I do. But yeah, I just, I I feel like, I don't know. It's a great song, but there's, there's a lot of other songs. I think that, that have, have had a much bigger impact for me. Um, number two being one of them that has had a much bigger impact than, the Sam Cooke song is Fight the Power by Public Enemy.
0: Yeah. Um and again I I think I would have swapped this and What's Going On. Um for for no other real reason other than like the the staying power of What's Going On and Marvin Gaye and the message there and the time in which it was made and the fact that the album was ranked number 1. Mm-hmm. So I think on the strength of all of that I would have bumped What's Going On up to number 2. It's not like I have a problem with Fight the Power at number two at all. It's just it was a borderline arbitrary thing where I would have flipped those two because yeah. it it, it their Fight the Power is almost like a sequel. It's a new, it's an updated sensibility for the same shit that they're talking about and what's going on. Um, I think it's cool too, like uh, the Bee Gees and Saturday Night Fever. This album never had there been an album and a movie that were both phenomenon and were linked and -hmm. were integral to each other. Um, and I think Spike Lee and public enemy definitely did that with fight the power and do the right thing. I mean, do the right thing is a very different movie without that song. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that song is a very different thing without the Spike Lee machine behind it. Um, so all of that is to say, yeah, ringing, ringing endorsement. I might've done an arbitrary flip, but either way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the same sentiments as like what's going on, but it's, I think the anger of the, about the amount of time that's passed since what's going on and still nothing has changed. You know, that anger kind of manifests itself in fight the power. You know, I think that's a great, I think it's a great progression. You know, it says it's, you know, kind of screaming like, you know, we asked before and now we're demanding, you know, because it wasn't what's right wasn't granted and now we have to demand it now we you've brought us to this point you know so i think it's i think that song rocks i mean i love public enemy i think flavor Flav in recent years has been a douchebag um but what he did with chuck d in those early years and really throughout the 90s i think it was a really really important part of rap music you know they they brought a lot of they kept it grounded I think is is the important thing that they did is instead of it being about you know how how many cars you have and, and all this kind of stuff, like they kept it much more grounded about real human issues. And it kept it allowed, I think them and artists like them allowed rap music to retain its credibility as a true form of music, allowing the others to really exp- like kind of explore, express themselves, find like new directions to push it. Um, And I think Fight the Power is one of those like kind of like cornerstone rap songs where it's like that's one of the most important ones for a reason. The power of the lyrics, the power of the beat, you know, all of it came together to make an absolute classic.
0: Yeah. Say no more. I in fact, you kind of convinced me not to flip two and six. As a logical progression, one of the other. Um, Yeah. No. okay, I take back my flip. All right.
1: Look look at this. Look at that. strides here on out on that line. That's
0: discourse, baby. That.
1: Well, I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on number one. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. It's Respect by Aretha Franklin. Number one song of all time.
0: I love Aretha Franklin. I love Respect, even though it's another kind of ubiquitous song. I wouldn't have put it as number one. And I think it's because of what we touched on earlier, which is the meaning has gone through so many different changes. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I think the original meaning is lost and that doesn't make it a bad song or not worthy of inclusion. But I, I think it has really taken a hard turn into ubiquity, which is kind of the opposite of a recency bias. It's like an antiquity bias where it's like, oh, this is a song that like never stopped being a real rocking song. And that's fine. That's a fine component of it. But that's basically what it is at this point is, is it's in, in everybody's muscle memory. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that make it good? Every single
1: wedding. Yeah. Every single wedding, every single like, large company function because it's just like an easily digestible song. You don't even have to think about it when you hear it. I will guarantee you everybody listening to this podcast knows every single in and out of that melody. Maybe not every single lyric or like all the words to it, but you will know you could probably hum that entire song fairly accurately because I, I know how many times that everybody has heard it in their lives. And when you factor in that where it's like, what other song has been just like absolutely has taken over the world. You hear it everywhere fifty years after it came out. Sixty years after it came out. When was this? Like nineteen sixty two or something like that?
0: Fuck me. I don't know. I can't remember.
1: Like it was a long ass time ago. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been around forever. One of the greatest voices of all time. Came out in nineteen sixty seven.
0: Okay. Wow. Later than I thought.
1: Yeah, so this is 55, 54 years old. That's how long ago this song came out, and it's still... I guess that's why it's the number one song. What other song is still just as like ubiquitous and relevant today?
0: Yeah, but I guess that therein lies my question. Is this song ubiquitous because it's great, or is it great because it's ubiquitous? And I don't know if I can answer that, and I don't think either of them is a diss. I just I yeah. think it's, it's an important distinction it's a great song i love aretha franklin i fucking pop for this song every time i just don't know if it's number one and i I don't have any other problem other than like this nagging thing about how like omnipresent it is and we have been
1: chasing perpetual motion for how long since the dawn of time yeah i mean we've been trying to find a way for unlimited energy why have we never looked at why respect is just as popular today as it was in 1967 when it came out why have we not looked at that as an example of perpetual motion because it seems to be the best example i've ever seen
0: i mean i guess you'd have to say so If if it's been ranked the number one song of all time make your fucking cars run on that elon musk you dumb fuck
1: yeah well, I mean, he can't even get a rocket off the ground. He can't figure that out.
0: I can't believe he even worked up a lick of sperm to impregnate his wife, to be frank.
1: Oh god. If that's I bet I'll bet you someone else did it.
0: Very well could be. That'd yeah. be really funny actually. I'll bet you a that's... big-time Bitcoin investor did it. Elon Musk is the Bob Dylan of tech bros. <laughs> that ought to piss some people I... off.
1: <laughs> i could i could defend that but you know what i'm gonna let that one stew i'm gonna Play let that one wash over the audience i'm gonna let it marinate <laughs> and if you've got something to say about it then you find us on instagram add out on that line you find us on twitter add out on that line one you email us at out on that line at gmail.com you can even comment on our youtube videos by searching hashtag out on that line on YouTube, hitting that subscribe button, hitting that little bell, that little notification button. So anytime you get a new video up there, you get notified of that. And Alex, was there anything else this week that you had a burning desire to talk about?
0: It, the burning sensation just came to me. Um, I figured out what I think I would have swapped out with Sam Cooke. Like you said, smush everything to the front and add something in at number 10. Comfortably mm-hmm. numb. I Done. think I'd put Comfortably Numb in there at number 10.
1: Done. Done. All That's right. a great pick.
0: As, as, as second week in a row, I'll do a Costanza. That's it for me. Out on a high note. <laughs> well,
1: let us know what you want to hear, folks. I think we have an album submission in the works for the next episode. So I guess keep an eye out for that. And if we don't seem excited about it, just realize that we are. We're very, very excited. Until next time.